Hi there, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home to NARC Troopers. If you enjoy today's episode or learn something from it and want to know more, check me out at my website, narctroopers.com, which stands for Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborator Troopers. We are troopers marching forward in our recovery process. Um, go to my website, you'll find articles and podcasts and video vlogs and other information that you may find useful. Today's subject is the narcissist role in the great awakening. The transformation is happening. It's time to pack up and get ready for what is to come. So I have three perspectives for you about this hollow core. And these perspectives come from the last century, from the last hundred years. Um, so let me begin with the first one comes from 1907. 1907 uh, from a person named Gurdjieff. G-U-R-D-J-I-E-F. This person says, a considerable percentage of the people we meet on the street are people who are empty inside. That is, they are actually already dead. It is fortunate for us that we do not see and we do not know it. If we knew what a number of people were actually have going on, you know, that they were already dead, and what a number of these dead people um, govern our lives, we would go mad with horror. Okay, so that's the first perspective. 1907, that there are dead among us. Uh, this next perspective is from, let's see, um, Wow, it's kind of long. I'll try to shorten it up a little bit, but essentially it's from uh, Sri Aurobindo. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's A-U-R-O-B-I-N-D-O, Aurobindo, Sri, S-R-I, Aurobindo. And it's from a book called The Hidden Forces of Life, The Integral Yoga. And this was written in 1902. Um, goes on to say, there are some human beings who are like vampires. What they are and why they are this, we don't know. They are not human. They are incarnations of beings from a world that is just next to the physical beings who live on the plane we call the vital world. V-I-T-A-L, vital world. It is a world of all the desires and impulses and passions and of movements of violence and greed and cunning and every kind of ignorance. But all the dynamics too are there. And these dynamisms, these life energies and all the powers, they dwell here in this place as well. The beings of this world have by their nature a strange grip over the material world and can exercise 
upon it a sinister influence. Some of them are formed out of the remains of the human being that persists after death in the vital atmosphere near to the earth plane. His desires and hungers still float there and remain in form after the dissolution of the body. Often they are moved to go on manifesting and satisfying themselves and the birth of these creatures of that vital world is the consequence of that. These are minor beings and if they can be very troublesome, um, you know, that happens, it is yet not impossible to deal with them. But, big but, there are others far more dangerous who have never been a human. They've never been in human form. Never were they born into a human body upon earth for most often they refuse to accept this way of birth because it is slavery to physical matter and they prefer to remain in their own world, powerful and mischievous, and to control earthly beings from there. For if they do not want to be born on earth, they do want to be in contact with physical nature, but without being bound by it. Their method is to try first to cast their influence upon a man. Then they enter slowly into his atmosphere and in the end may get complete possession of him, driving out entirely the real human soul and personality. These creatures, when in possession of an earthly body, may have the human appearance, but they have not a human nature. Their habit is to draw upon the life force of human beings. They attack and capture vital power whenever they can and they feed upon it. If they come into your atmosphere, you suddenly feel depressed or threatened or exhausted. If you are near them for some time, you fall sick. And if you live with one of them, it may kill you. To hope to transform them, as some people try to do, is a vain illusion, for they do not want to be transformed. They have no intention of allowing any transformation, and all effort in that direction is useless. These beings, when in the human body, are not often conscious of what they really are. The beings of the vital world are powerful by their very nature. When to their power they add knowledge, they become doubly dangerous. There is nothing to be done with these creatures. You should avoid having any dealings with them unless you have the power to crush and destroy them, which most people do not. If you are forced into conflict with them, beware of the spell they can cast. These vital beings, when they manifest on the physical plane, have always a great hypnotic power, for the center of their consciousness is in the vital world and not in the material, and they are not veiled and dwarfed by the material consciousness as human beings are. Wow, guys, doesn't that sound exactly like the narcissist? 
Whew, that was Sri Aurobindo, The Hidden Forces of Life, The Integral Yoga, written in 1902, over a hundred years ago. And the last one, the last one's uh, pretty short. Let me get to that, these three perspectives. Number three, many narcissists are demonically possessed. Let me tell you all the reasons I believe this. They are 24-7 fake and false. I lived with one specimen for 15 long years and never thought that I shared my bed with evil. Their acting is at an Oscar-winning level. How can a normal human being without evil powers be capable of such perfect acting? The evil eye, I have witnessed this when the narcissist gets unique satisf satisfaction after raging or something else, some betrayal, or when they know they're getting ready to do something to hurt you and drop a bomb into your relationship. It can be used to, to threaten, to scare. Um, and this level of contempt is not human. The world over, um, over the, where they behave in exactly the same perfect manner, how can it be that all of them behave in the same way? Like they have a textbook, all of them doing it the same way. Even animals adore their young. How can such a character be described as a human being when he or she is unable to love their own offspring? A subtle manner of gaslighting? Where do they all learn this to perfection? Their endless hatred, envy, contempt, and blame, deflecting, and um, projection, and transference, and all of that. They're masters of this. Where do they learn how to do that? Their endless strategies to destroy you if you are the hated one. I understand that I may be criticized harshly for this answer. I have no problem with that. But if you have ever been victim to these, this kind of evil for a good number of years, I'm sure that you can concur with what I have said. And this comes from writer Dorothy Sciortino, S-C-I-O-R-T-I-N-O, Dorothy Sciortino. Yep. My perspective about what this absence of being means, because we've heard three of them now from three different people, uh, the first two from the early 1900s, over 100 years ago. We've heard these interpretations of what these people are, um, right? That, that's what I've just been sharing with you. And um, I'm pretty sure... They're talking about um, narcissistic personality disordered individuals, which, yes, I understand it is a mental disorder. Uh, I understand that their brains have not developed correctly and are uh, not functioning as they should be. I understand that mental psychological aspect of it, but I am going to posit the possibility that it's more than a mental uh, psychological construct, this disorder, this illness that they have, it is beyond that and that there are other things at play. So this is my personal perspective uh, about these empty, 
hollow um, people that can supposedly, from what we've just heard, be uh, filled with what we would call evil. Um, so the one thing that all of these perspectives have in common is the belief that there is something more, something intangible, omniscient, and absolute at play in our lives and of the narcissist that shapes and directs and governs what happens. If it, it is this thing called vital force, which pours upon us from all parts of the solar system and of this physical universe. But man is mightier than his sensations or vitality or the vital sources of the universe. Our fate and our temperament have been built by our own wills, free wills, and our own um, our own will or free will can change it or alter it. Essentially, this means that we can alter our fate and reshape our destiny and rewrite a toxic script if we were handed one uh, early in life. You know, I think that there are two possible ways to think about all of this. So here's the first one. The first is that the people with cluster B disorders are all devoid of what might be called a soul, and instead they are filled with malevolent forces of some kind. These forces could be bad actors from the vital world that we just heard about, or they could simply be demonic Luciferian entities, or maybe even stubborn souls who are not ready to get to like move on um, to another dimension and they're lingering or they're trapped or confused or stuck here in some way. And they're trapped in this dimension, you know, seeking the bodies of those who have silenced their inner core and they've committed soul suicide, identity suicide, ego suicide, whatever you want to call it. That's what's happened to the narcissist when, you know, many like, years ago, they did that to themselves, to their authentic selves. And so there's nobody home. And so instead of just being vacant, something occupies that space, something malevolent. So that's one theory that I, I actually have. I actually think that that's profoundly possible. So, okay. So you ready for my second one? Here's my second theory that implies that people with cluster B disorders are the new evolved 2.0 iterations of humans that have evolved or devolved over millennia to arrive at this place where, through adaptations for survival, have conveniently eliminated unnecessary traits such as empathy, uh, remorse, or accountability in order to have more energy for pursuing their critical goals. Maybe this is an evolutionary step. Not a good one, but instead of, well, maybe I shouldn't call it an evolutionary step because that means we're evolving. I think it's a survival step. I think that it is, um, that maybe it is this new millennia has created an environment 
where in order to survive, the necessary getting rid of some of these mushy, unnecessary, sappy emotions like empathy for other human beings have just been eliminated because they're unnecessary to function in a very high-performing kind of way, right? You can climb the corporate ladder and be quite ruthless and heartless, and, and that's considered a win in our society, right? If you're a compassionate, empathetic person, a lot of the world views you as weak, and it's not a good thing. Like being smart is no longer a good thing. It's held against you you know, and vilified and demonized. So, um, so we have observed how chilling a person like, okay, let's just, let's use Elon Musk, how he can be, who is a combination of a genius and a monster. Oddly, great minds often suffer great impairments. Have you noticed that, 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 there's something not quite right with a lot of them and they're absolutely a genius, but then there's something not right about them too. You know, a famous narcissist who recently graced me with his presence for a few brief months, he told me something simple yet profound. He said, the narcissist is a gift who has come to wake you up. Let's think about that. Is that right? Your narcissist is a gift who has come to wake you up? Deny it if you must. I think there's some truth in this. The function of the narcissist might be to murder you in every conceivable way, mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, sexually, uh, psychologically, just in every possible way to murder you so that you have no choice but to give birth to a new self with new opportunities and new wisdom. You have to have a rebirth and create a new life after you have been with a narcissist for a period of time. I was with mine for 16 years, married for 15. My children told me that I left them and I was gone, even though physically I was right there. And one of them told me recently, we're glad to have you back. And let me tell you, I'm still struggling to be back. I'm struggling to live in this world after being in that alternative reality, that fantasy shared fantasy bubble that I lived in where I was trauma bonded. That's a real popular word these days, but I don't think we really understand the full scope and sequence of that term, trauma bonded. We are addicted on a cellular level with neurochemicals and peptides. You need to read about this stuff. It's not just a bunch of weirdness. It's real. It's science. It's fact. They change us. They murder us. And you know, the world has passed the tipping point, as Malcolm Gladwell wrote about nearly 25 years ago in his very prescient warning about what was to come. He said, you know, it's been like a slow motion train wreck for quite a while now, but finally it's made impact and the wreckage and debris is mile high and vast in its reach. All the warnings and have, have reached critical mass. There is no turning back now. 
we as a as a world globally have made impact and it is a spectacular event to say the least you know this is it you feel it through the extreme weather events through the threat of world war three and global uh, annihilation through food insecurity and all the unsheltered unhoused people who are increasing daily because of an economy that is unsustainable it's it's going to collapse it's going to we're going to have bumpy times ahead with um, everything from you know economic financial uh, things you know I personally think they're going to use this next financial stock market crash as the impetus to usher in um, central bank digital currency CBDC I think is what it's called and and there's just change on the horizon just everything you know look at the mass shootings the school shootings the 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 violence the the age of the people committing violence the the frequency the absolute um, horror of that and no end in sight we see divisiveness and polarization we see people not being able to get along you know to survive it seems to me like we're gonna have to pitch in together and lean in and work as a team we can't have this us and them mentality red and blue you know the enlightened and the idiots this is this is um, this is you know they say that things are destroyed from the inside out and that a house divided will fall words of wisdom guys we must unite if we're gonna save um, things because if we can't work together because we're fighting each other too much it's gonna destroy us it, it, we have to work with each other and we seem completely incapable of that right now so um, so we have hit that tipping point we've hit it we've hit the wall uh, anyone still in denial with some kind of toxic positivity is you know you're just you may be unable to name it but that's what's happened this is where the cookie crumbles yeah this is where the cookie crumbles what those you know when I started the podcast today those people that I read from Gurdjieff and Arobindo and uh, Scuratino I'm sorry I'm butchering those names they described some phenomena that clearly is pointing to the narcissist and psychopath uh, who roam like the walking dead among us what they described over a hundred years ago is finally coming to fruition by it's becoming endemic guys think about that the amount of psychopathy sociopathy and narcissism in our world has it's it's been a pandemic it's been a plague it's been a uh, like a viral has a viral element to it and now it has become endemic in that it's just it's part it's in it's in the fabric of the of the culture of it's in the it's woven in there it's baked into uh, this thing it's baked in you can't even separate it anymore uh, because it's just it's rampant it's it's taken over the fear 
violence, anger, desperation, hopelessness, chaos, and panic are clearly in response to systems breaking down. Nobody at the helm of the ships and the disintegration of world order. And to make matters worse, there are no anchors to hold it all together. And when I say anchors, I'm talking about the church, the family, those things that where people would gather around those things to tether them, to guide them, to give them direction. This sanctuary where they could go to wait out the storm or to get some clarity, they have unraveled. They have fallen apart. Ever been to a church lately? I have. Like It, it seems like 90% of the people in there are very close to the end of their lives and nobody else is there. The numbers, look at the statistics of how many people have turned their back on the church and walked away from it. You know, they're just not going. They don't think the answer can be found there. So they're looking other places. And for the longest time, the church was the center of, it was an anchor. It was the center of a community where you could go when all else fails, you would go there. I mean, that's an example of that is when 9-11 happened. It's been over 20 years ago. I didn't know what to do. It was too big for me to process. I couldn't even understand what had just happened. That many lives extinguished in an instant. I, I couldn't, I, I, I needed help. And so what did I do? I, I got, I picked up my daughter from school and and we went to the church, the doors were open, and it was filled with people on their knees, crying, praying. And, and that was the response. I'm wondering today, 20 years later, something horrific happens, if those churches are going to be empty, or just filled with a few devout people who have not um, turned away. I, I, think, I think it's different. No one is home. No one is coming to help us. And these cluster B hollow, hollow ones, right? Um, how are they going to make it in this new world of scarcity and lack and terror? You know, I imagine it to them, it feels a lot like home. You know, they're in their element. They feel no fear. They lost their ability to feel fear when they lost all of their other, um, positive human emotions like hope and love and fidelity and compassion and mercy. They don't have those things. They are adaptable and resilient, sure. And those are some darn good qualities to have right now. You know, they are built to be the last one standing, a tribe of zombies in beautiful flesh suits. But for those people like us, the tender-hearted, the broken-hearted, the able-hearted we will have our integrity and ethics and we will weep for them and mourn their death and pray for their resurrection and miracle healing. Our empathetic selves will tell us to pity them, to forgive them and to have mercy on any remnant of soul that might still be hiding in the dark corners of their being. We can still see some shred of humanity in the form of, of something in them and, and we can still love them despite their absence and their absence of healthy emotions. But 
what if that is not the plan? What if they are not supposed to join the living? Maybe they have a divine purpose. I like to think they crucified us to give us another chance at life. Maybe there will be divine mercy for them, and when they perish, they will be restored for their service, for their sacrifice, and for their soul. I don't know. None of us know. And maybe all of us, um, you know, the, the that, well, maybe we're in many ways these days lost and not knowing what to do either. Uh, the empty, the possessed, the broken, and the damaged will all rise up and come together in another time and place to celebrate the oneness of all things. Maybe that will happen. You know, um, when I see him in that other place, um, my husband through sickness and health, standing to the side, watching and meeting my eyes across a crowded room like we did so many years ago, um, I left my heart in San Francisco was the first dance we ever had together. I will, you know, I'm going to begin to hear that as he takes my hand and pulls me close and, and there will be no need for words. I breathe in his essence and we flow into one another like holy water. It's forever. Just like we vowed to one another. Um, a million times through the years we did that, you know, but this time maybe it will be real with no delusions and no shared fantasy and no, no sickness. Maybe, um, my, that's my idea of heaven. No sickness, no darkness, no pain. In that place, I dream that my mother will no longer be mentally unwell. She won't hurt me. She will dance like Ginger Rogers with my handsome father around a glittery ballroom under a canopy of stars. My children will all laugh and play and be filled with an immense joy that, that they have tried to cling to in a world that does not allow such things. You know, that is my heaven where everybody's healed and healthy and well. I'm hoping for that. Um, no pain, no suffering, just love. Maybe it's time to look around and get ready for whatever may be on its way. You know, you can't keep the narcissist in this life, whether it's a parent, whether it's a spouse, a significant other that you spent years with. Maybe you, maybe we just don't get to keep them in this life. Maybe it's best to just leave it for another time and space. And in the meantime, maybe we need to look at what's happening and we need to acknowledge this empty, hollow core that is in these people that we, we want so desperately to save. There's, you know, maybe there's a reason that they're that way. Maybe we just don't understand that our interaction with them 
was the impetus, was the catalyst, was the was the harbinger of the death of our former selves. And maybe our former selves had some some toxic script, some unhealthy programming from early on, some archaic wounds, some early childhood trauma, some some something in us that made us vulnerable and susceptible and easy prey for the narcissist. You know, maybe we had some codependency or some other troubles, you know, that, that were in that former version of ourselves that landed us in that situation. And I think it would serve us well to take a long, hard look at that, to turn inward. At some point, you have to stop the analysis paralysis where you just research narcissism. You have to let that go. You know what they are. You know they are incapable. You know there could be something dark and insidious that dwells inside them. You've seen it. You've felt it. Get away. Let it go. Because that can't be good. And there is no chance that you're going to be able to rescue them. Maybe what happened was to give you the chance to birth a new version of yourself that's free of those things that weakened you in the previous iteration of who you are. Maybe it's time to turn inward and try to figure all that out. Try to be strong and brave. And I know, I know some days you can barely breathe. You can barely function. Some days you can barely get up and eat. You can't sleep. You have anxiety. You have this longing for what you lost. I know that. I feel it too. But think about all the people around you who witnessed what happened, who were harmed by it. Let them be your motivation to not go back to that place, to not return to that, and to just tell yourself, this cannot be. We can't have them in this life. We cannot stay. We can't. And we scrape together what little pieces of ourselves are left and we build a new one that's strong and resilient and adaptable. And we hold on to our ability to be full-fledged humans with real feelings. And some of those real feelings could be pain and and fear and anxiety and that's okay to be sad sit with those feelings feel them and let them pass through you bless them for what they've taught you and then let them go you have the capacity to heal and to be strong to mend yourself to fill yourself and if you have some similar emptiness inside you if you are not a narcissist, psychopath, or sociopath yourself, if you are not suffering from that, then any cracks 
in your spirit, any holes in your soul, any missing dark spaces that you've carried for years can, will, and should be filled with the light, with the light of God, with, with the light of a higher power that can restore not just what you feel that you have that is gone, but it can give you something newer and better. You, that is not unrealistic to expect that. We have to trust that what's coming is what is meant to be. And then we need to be there for the people that we abandoned so that we could have the narcissist. I know there was collateral damage. I know there was a price to pay for that relationship. I know harm was done, not just to you, but to others. Now is your chance to go in, to go to those people and make your amends and be present, be available, be accessible to them so that you can experience um, a new, better, improved, healthy uh, relationship with others, with the people in your life, not one that is a fantasy, a fiction that is filled with dangerous, dangerous things that will harm you and everyone you know around you. Okay, guys, so that's my message for today. Uh, that was a lot. I hope you can take time to listen to this one more time. And I say that because it was a lot. It went kind of fast. And if you hear it again, um, I think it will soak in and be a little bit more meaningful. Now you have the overview. Go back in and let it really uh, soak in, marinate in it, and let and just absorb it like a sponge. Because everything I'm saying about these relationships with these people and the hopelessness of it is true. You may not be at a place yet where you can accept that, but it is true. And uh, what you need to do next about working on yourself, that is also true. So take that for what you may. Have a wonderful day. Get out of nature. Take your shoes off. Look at the sky. Feel a tree. Let the foam tickle your toes at the ocean. <laughs> and just do what you need to do to be alive, to be one of the living, and to uh, sit with yourself, with all the pieces of yourself your current self, your inner child self, your everything that is you, your identity, your, your authentic self. Just be at peace with each other. Be good to each other. Do something fun today. Go get some ice cream. Take a walk. Um, you know, listen to some good music. Dance. Jump around. <laughs> and uh, be joyful. Because what else can you do? You can suffer and live in the past a past that is gone, uh, filled with so much loss and so much pain and sadness, or you can realize what that was and turn your interest elsewhere. Okay, that's what I wish for you today, and I have much love for you and much um, hope that you will complete this journey and be better for it. Okay. Until next time, thank you for listening. I'll be back again soon. Bye-bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.